Welcome to the Sailor Noob Podcast, where a super fan and a noob talk about the original Sailor Moon episode by episode. I'm your host, Mikan Hana, joined by my co-host. I'm the co-host, Caliban. I'm also the noob in Izubu Juban. The people are defended by two separate yet equally important characters. Usagi, who fights for love and justice, and Chibiusa, who wants to bone her dad. These are their stories. Oh my god. <laughs> We're a couple of magical people ready to moon crisis make up this episode. Wow. Today we are talking about episode number 132, Oni Ai no Futari, Usagi to Mamoru no Ai in Japanese, The Perfect Couple, Usagi and Mamoru's Love, the English translation, and the English title, Perfect Couple. Perfect Couple, eh? We didn't try too hard on this one. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it. All right. If we have time, because... Jeez, there's a lot we're going to talk about today. There's a lot we're going to talk about today, but let's not give it away. Let's talk instead about what people are talking, that is saying, about us. Sounds good. We got a couple iTunes reviews. Yay! Amazing. Thank you for your iTunes reviews. Thank you so much, people. Uh, That's what we love to see, and we love hearing what you think we're up to. Uh, Let's look at them here. Uh, They're on iTunes, like I said. Uh, two five-star reviews. First five-star nice. review by a user named Hershey Goddess. The title is, It's a Noob Review. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. And the review says, I absolutely love the podcast. I do a lot of driving for work, and I just started watching Sailor Moon within the last few months. I live for podcasts that go over shows I've seen. That way I can visually see the content in my mind that they're talking about. I knew this show would be exactly what I would love. Keeps me going on my long drives, makes me laugh with the banter, and I love listening to this duo talk about life, anime, and all our favorite shows. Thank you so much for everything y'all do. That's awesome. No y'all at the end there. I love it. Thank you so much. No y'alls where we live. No. That would kind of be right out. No, but I had a, I had a good friend growing up who uh, was originally from Oklahoma, and yeah. everything was y'all. So <laughs> I never picked up the y'all. Yeah. Well, I went to school and lived for a time uh, in Missouri, mm-hmm. and they like to think that they're from the South. So you'll hear y'alls, but it's uh, kind of like a never... divider state, like a split state. It's li- it was literally critical race theory. It was literally a divider state. I know, but I feel like. <laughs> I feel like part of Missouri is in the south and part of it's in the north. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like to call that the shallow south. Yeah. Okay. And there's the deep south. It's the shallow south. But uh, <laughs> wherever you're from, Hershey Goddess, uh, thank you so much for your review. Uh, another five-star review from user Tuxedo Mauve. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Titled, I'm watching along with them and it's great. The review says, as a newcomer to Sailor Moon, it's fun to watch an episode and then listen to this podcast. Their fun conversations and insights really add to my watch experience from one Sailor Noob to another. Keep up the good work. That's awesome. Well, I just wanted to thank both of you who wrote us uh, two wonderful five-star reviews on iTunes. 
Uh, like Cal said, we really appreciate it. Um, you, it gives us positive feedback, lets us know what you think we're doing on the show. Yeah. Um, and it, gives us the the energy and the juice to keep on going. Yeah, it's good to hear, too, that it works in that way as a companion. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a noob and there's an expert. <laughs> That's how we do it. Right. But to know that, uh, you know, we have a lot, we've talked to a lot of fans who are longtime fans of Sailor Noob and they, you know, appreciate the show. But to know that people who are just watching the show for the first time can then listen to an episode, you know, and that's, you know, that's not the only way that it's meant to be consumed, but that is a chief way that we expect it to be consumed. Absolutely. And so it's good to know that it's, it's working out like that. Yeah, it's... Um... It's great to know that what your intention is, uh, <laughs> it's coming right back. You yeah, know I, I mean? wonder if the intentions of the people who made this episode today were realized in the work that was produced. I I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I just, I know we talked about it, we've talked about it and we'll continue talking about it probably the rest of the season, but I just... Thank you for listening, everybody, who will now stop watching or listening to our show because maybe they'll stop watching... Sailor Moon, because, geez, it's getting weird. Well, it's It's just, getting really weird. I don't know why the animators decide to make all the changes that they did for um, this season from the manga when they don't they don't really work and they're creepy. And Oh, specifically the visual changes? A lot of the, I mean, the way that, um, you know, the trio attacks people and stuff like that. Like, oh, right, right. You know, and like just how the trio acts. Well... <laughs> That is outside of the scope. Well, <laughs> clearly nothing's outside of the scope of this show. <laughs> Have you heard the previous 131 episodes? Right. Um, but maybe that's outside of uh, what we do on a specific episode, but perhaps uh, in another format, in a shore leave, or in some later uh, you know, edition of the podcast, we can talk about um, the specific writers, um, directors of each season, you know, and some of the creative choices. Because yeah. you and I both know and we have bemoaned the fact that as a kid's cartoon for kids, uh, like a lot of things, it was kind of disposable. Even though it's become this like media juggernaut, it's sort of like, oh, we made that, now we're going to make something else. Mm -hmm. And so they don't hold on to things and they don't like keep records right. of stuff and people don't talk about that dumb kid's cartoon that they did. But there must be some kind of retrospective. There must be interviews with people. Um, who knows? Maybe we could create them. Who, who who on this show speaks fluent English and would want to, you know, we, we'd never catch Naoko Takeuchi. She's too fast. Yeah, I in know, a car. right? Beep, beep. See you later. <laughs> we never, never catch her. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, maybe we could talk to some people. Maybe we could get some of that information because... It, if this is a separate like head writer, a separate yeah. sort of showrunner or, or a executive producer, I would I would understand that because the show is is quite different than it's been in the past. Well, the only and I'm not sure it's a good thing. I don't I've, think that it. I've is, expressed that before, but um, I haven't dug very far in the subject so far. But one thing I saw um, on Tuxedo and Mass was like it was an article that was just like he found a couple of things here and there but it was nothing conclusive this is something that a lot of fans have asked about like why is it so different right but tuxedo, why is and, it... and we've unfortunately talked about tuxedo unmasked a I lot know. uh he does really good work he does uh to the point where we don't have to do a lot of that work it would just be going over it again but he never found saban moon somebody else did no that. i know and so i don't know like i don't want to set an unattainable goal for us but maybe that's something that we could you know do in the future okay because yeah, i need answers <laughs> 
Uh, I need answers so do I. to this. It really, like... It <laughs> I keeps, need to know what happened. It keeps me up at night. Yeah, exactly. Um, brings me nightmares. Anyways, mm. um... Speaking, which, of, speaking of nightmares. Yeah. You want to get right into this episode? Let's talk about what happens in this episode. Yeah, let's do and, it. And, uh, like... Most episodes? No, wait, not like really any episodes at all. We start off with a pair of people that we don't know. Yeah. I wish we'd known each other. This is a little awkward. A man and a woman are walking down the street in Tokyo, and the man says, so this is the first time that you're going to his place, right, Sauri? Mm-hmm. That's how you say that, right? Yeah, right. Sauri, yep. Uh, it's probably going to be messy. And the woman says, why do you think that, Kobayashi? And he says, guys have really messy rooms. And she says... So I guess you've got a messy room, huh? <laughs> that That's all I could salvage. One for sorry. That's all I could salvage from that conversation. It was pretty opaque. Like, I don't, I guess it was a joke. That was the joke. I think she zinged him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But we'll never know until we find, beep, beep, you can't catch me. <laughs> but she's not responsible for this. And that's true. Uh, and then he says, uh, did he really call his girlfriend over? Like, I don't, again, I don't know if they're, like communicating in media stress information that, you know, we would have seen if there was a previous scene. Maybe. Also, is that a joke like he called his girlfriend over so she would clean? You know, guys who have girlfriends, they clean the place up or something? Oh, I... Or is this a double date? The thing is, this is packed with potential. It is. I don't know that he's saying... Unfortunately, you'll see where we end up. Yeah, I know. I don't know that he's saying like that she would clean or... I don't know if that's what he's getting at. Well, we cut to a condo and we see that the messy guy in question is Mamoru. Mm-hmm. Except he's not messy. No, he's not. Just his relationship is. Yeah. As the pair wait in his living room, she points out that the place is pretty neat. And the guy says, I've lost faith in him. <laughs> Again, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Mamoru comes in with tea uh, to go with the cakes that they brought, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very Japanese thing. Bring something over. Yes. And he says guys talking about and kobayashi says oh uh <laughs> nothing and mamo says you're a weird guy <laughs> we get a look around the apartment and we see that mamoru has a lot of space stuff i don't think we ever saw this before he's got a big print of a of a shot of space he's got a globe of the moon he's got like an old-timey like map of the moon and he's got framed pictures of space stuff including a picture of what looks like the monolith from 2001? Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, it makes sense. Like, he's in love with Sailor Moon. They had a, you know, yeah. love affair on the moon, but like in a past life. 2001 is space. That's like, weird. Is okay. that canon? <laughs> I think we, that's probably... To, is, the, is the monolith connected to the moon kingdom? <laughs> that Let's, makes we need to look more into this. and less sense at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Dear Mamo, stay cool, monolith. <laughs> He's also got a little tuxedo mask statue, which I, I thought was funny. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Mamo asks, Sorry, did you uh, finish that report? And she says that she did, while Koba looks over Mamo's stuff, and he looks suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know he knew the monolith. I love that guy's work. <laughs> It's always uplifting, less evolved forms of life. Mamo's like, hey, you want to meet the monolith? I can introduce you. No. Uh, Bacoba's like, where are the pictures of your girlfriend? And Mamo says, oh, yeah, I guess I should put them up. And Koba's like, you guess? Is she really coming over today, this girlfriend of yours? 
I guess he seems skeptical. I, he seems skeptical and like because maybe they've never met her before or something. No, they've definitely never met her. Yeah, and Mama says, she'll be here soon. And then the doorbell rings. And rings and rings and rings and rings. Yeah. Speak of the devil, he says. Which, really? It's your girlfriend. I know. Like, let's not, Mama. Although, to be fair. <laughs> and Mamoru goes to answer the door. And Zauri says, girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend. You're being a little obvious. What is this? Are they going to ask them to swing? Is that what this is? No. Is the Kirokira mirror going to be key parties in Japan? <laughs> I don't... What's, what's the vibe here? I It's confusing. Koba says, this is for you, Sari. See? Wh- what is for you? He's doing it for her. Oh, okay. Look, he's talked her into this, and this. All right, I'm I'm assuming some something like a more key adult party? than what's going on with here. Usagi. Are this you serious? This will be good for us. Oh I swear. God. Oh my god. She says, "What do you mean it's for me?" The show's called Sailor Moon, by the way. <laughs> and he says, "On the days that you see Chiba, you wear lipstick, bullseye." Oh no, is there another Amazon called Bullseye? Oh my, I don't think so. He's <laughs> got horns on his head. Sari says, "Are you?" A pretty mean guy. <laughs> I still don't know what's going on. What? It's a weird insult, but I guess it hits home because he's like, no. Uh, 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 <laughs> Great dynamic these two have. What? We hear, oh, Mamo chan <laughs> in stereo. And Mamoru comes in with both Usagi and Chibi grabbing onto his arms and rubbing up against him. And at this point, Saori and Kobayashi must be thinking that trying Polyfinder was a mistake. <laughs> Why is this happening to us? What's wrong with this show? I don't know. I don't know. I had to incognito mode to research that joke, by the way. So <laughs> thanks, show. <laughs> Not having that in my Google history. Oh, my gosh. Chibi says, let go. He's my Mamo-chan. And Usagi says, oh, sure. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You're just, you're, you're going to take, you're, sure, take Mamo. First, you take Mamo for yourself. Come on. <laughs> Mamoru sits on the couch with Chibi on his lap, and Usagi says, Hey, hey, no, that's my spot. What is this, the old boy anime? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's you got to think about that one for a yeah, second. Yeah, you do. An old boy was a manga. Uh, <laughs> Chibi says, I'm not going to move. And Usagi says, I'm not bringing you here anymore. And Chibi says, I always come by myself. Oh, you're a nasty girl. What is this, the Three's Company anime? Whoa, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It feels like, look <laughs> at Three's Company. It, it feels like there's potential for a comedy of misunderstanding here. Yes. Which feels like what they're going for, because... I have no clue what else could be happening here. And I feel like my comedy instincts are the needle is just moving all over the compass. Mm -hmm. Like they could be doing like a a raunchy random one half bit, you know, with this sort of thing. Which doesn't work for this show. This is an anime for little girls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know about that. Anyway, Saori and Koba look like they're thinking about what gangs they're going to join in prison. And Usagi says, hey, sorry for making such a scene. Who's first? No, just kidding. Oh, my uh, gosh. Mamoru says, this, this, these are all sex jokes. I know they are. Uh, Mamoru says, this is Saori, my college friend, and Kobayashi, an underclassman. This is Usagi and Chiba. And Koba and Saori were halfway through picking their first prison tats, but they're immediately relieved. <laughs> Koba looks like he's still worried that Chris Hansen's going to be delivering a pizza later. Oh so he God. says, uh, so your girlfriend is... See? Yeah. I'm not imagining it. No, I know. This joke is, they're really joking about this. Yeah. Usagi says, 
I'm Mamo Chan. <laughs> I mean, Memorials Girl. Look! And Chibi pops up in the frame and she's given the peace sign. But both of her fingers go up Usagi's nose. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I'm the real girlfriend. Oh. Which they're still doing this tasteless bit. I don't, I'm kind of dumb with it. But that's honestly. a classic Chibi. I, it is a classic that's Chibi. That's classic Chibi. Yeah. They proceed to basically break chairs over each other's heads like Homer and Bart. Basically. <laughs> It's a pretty standard stunt, Homer. And we are nowhere near the plot yet. Nope. Sari starts laughing, having been driven mad by a vision of getting stabbed in the yard for drinking her cellmate's toilet omishu. <laughs> and Mamoru says, enough! And Usagi and Chibi stop fighting. Sari says, sorry, you have very cute girlfriends. It's, it's their bit! It's not me! I swear it's not me! They're doing it! Well, I just, I just take it to be like that. Saori and Kobayashi like don't believe that either of these two but are the, his But what they're trying to set up is that they don't really think that Mamo's serious about the girlfriend they've heard about, which yeah. is what spoilers makes right. Saori think that she's got a shot later. Yes. But instead of establishing that, they're doing this whole like, oh, who's the mother and who's the daughter, like a uh, skin care ad thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's what are you doing? I don't, it's very confusing. Yeah. Anyway, she offers the girl some cake and Koba says, girlfriends. Yes, I see. And he decides it's worth it. And his uncle is a judge anyway. So. Oh my God. Okay. All right. No more of those jokes. We're back on track. <laughs> For now. Koba says, how old are you, Asagi? I swear to God, it's not me. I swear <laughs> it's them. It's this show. It is. Usagi says, you're not making it up. Sure, I'll have more. And he says, I'm asking about your age. That's what I said. Third base. And she says, I'm 15 and in my prime. It's gross. And in this shot, she's got cake all over her face. I give up. I tried. I, I try to tell edgy jokes and poke fun, but where you're going show, I can't follow. <laughs> Don't go where I can't follow. Come back, show. Mr. Where Frodo. Are you going? <laughs> if I tell this joke, I'll be farther from taste than I've ever been. <laughs> anyway, he says, ah, 15, a good age. I know, I know. Oh my God. Your love and dreams are ahead of you. And I love that this is both. Absurd and kind of poignant. It's funny that a, what, like an 18-year-old is yes. like, ah, youth. It is. But at the same time, he, like he's staring down midterm essays and the cafeteria being closed on Sunday nights. And so there's a lot of difference between like 15 and 18. Absolutely. Or so the judge told me. See? Oh, See? I walked right into that <laughs> Mr. Frodo. <one>. Yeah. <laughs> there's a fun music bed under all of this. And Usagi says, I'm perfectly fine with Mamo in terms of love. And the soundtrack stops, and everybody laughs. No clue. I I got nothing. No clue. I it I might don't be a means. continuation of their Three's Company bit, where the way that she says it means like, like I'm getting all the love I can handle from him, or something, you know, something like that. Yeah. And it's like inappropriate because yeah. everybody's like, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or does it mean the only other thing I can think of is that, like, she's saying, well, I got all my love from him. And they're like, they still don't believe that she's, like, his girlfriend. So they think it's hilarious that she's joking. Did he buy these women? Like, did you know what I'm saying? Did he just, like, pay these people to come in and pretend that? Obviously, there's some connection. 
Well, like, I think they think... Who that, is this pink-haired demon? I know. I think they think that, like, he's just, like, looking out for them or, you know, there's no romantic <laughs> relationship whatsoever. These girls are in my stable. I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? Okay, I'm not explaining it well, but, like, like they're his cousins right. or something like right. that, but well, they have crushes on him. They are asking no questions. No. Uh, they learned their lesson the hard way. But Chibi says, Miss Sowery, what is your relationship to Mamo-chan? <laughs> and the music stops again. And Sari says, we've been in the same class since high school. But Chibi's not buying it. I know. Mamoru says, I could never match you in terms of academics. Sari is planning to be a police officer when she graduates. Boo! Boo! <laughs> yes. Chibi says, wow, pass the maple bacon donut? <laughs> I don't know how the police force works in Japan, but I don't think academics is on the top of the recruiting form yeah, for U.S. I, cops. I thought that was so, very strange. Maybe we'll find out later. Ma'am, you know why I'm standing here? You got all C's in high school? Uh, the plot has arrived, mm-hmm. and I hate it. Koba says she wants to be the first female police commissioner in Japan. All right. And Sari says, don't make fun of me. Oh, great. She's insecure and bad-tempered. Get her a badge and a gun ASAP. <laughs> Usagi says, a police commissioner. Yes, hmm, yes. How noble. Mm, I'd like to be that. And Chibi just has this thousand-yard stare on her face. I know. <laughs> it's really funny. And a forty-five down the back of her waist. Well, I feel like she's still glaring at Saori like this entire time <laughs> as this conversation go. has been going on. Yeah. Chibi says, I think he knows a little too much for being just classmates. Mm-hmm. Detective Chibi's on the job. I know. Sushi. That's what my future mom called me, overpriced with a short shelf life. <laughs> the would-be flatfoot and the pencil-necked gunsel sitting across from me may have swallowed this line of malarkey, and I knew that something was hinky between this two o'clock beauty queen and my butter and egg man. <laughs> Thank you. That was amazing. We cut to the neon bar where the Amazon trio are looking at a picture of Sowery. Yeah. And Fisheye says, a good, a good student, a new character, <laughs> a good student, a strong sense of justice, a real leader type. <laughs> this person's going to be a cop. I know. Uh, Tiger says, I know the type that prepares for classes and reviews what they learned. Those that listen closely to what adults say. One's the teacher's favor over the others. And Hawkeye says, yeah, narcs. What is this, propaganda? What is I, going on? Yeah, Who wrote I, this? I, I don't know. <laughs> it just comes in like a different voice comes in, dubbed over. <laughs> I think you should stay in school, kids. Tiger says, this type is clueless when it comes to romance. Tiger's been picked up for soliciting, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. I think so. Hawkeye says, despite this, you think she'll fall for you? And Tiger says, it's work. <laughs> 100% relatable. No, don't make me like you, bad guy. <laughs> and he kisses the picture. Meanwhile, at Paparappa Fancy Goods. Uh, we'll talk about Kick, it. Punch. It's all in the mind. <laughs> Usagi is going crazy for some cute stuffed animals. She's got a green bucktooth hippo and a pink bucktooth horse. But you can only buy one. Oh, decisions, decisions. <laughs> yes. These wow. adult decisions. Paralyzing decisions. She asks Chibi which one she should get, but Chibi says, Wise up, you silly twist. Aren't you worried your palooka is giving the business to that skid row Sheba? <laughs> no, she says, uh, Don't you ever wonder if the way you're living is all right? If you can really be happy living as you do now? And Usagi says, I told you. 
I can't decide between these stuffed animals. Oh, no. Chibi just starts walking out, but she turns around and gives us a... Objection! She says, I don't even think that they're cute! And she they're leaves. not! <laughs> Nisagi says, you don't understand this highbrow hobby. And she has a horse face as she says, oh, what's gotten into her? At the park where it is 23.1 Celsius. That's what the sign says. That's important. Salary is waiting. She's probably writing down license plate numbers. Oh, my God. And Tiger's Eye is there, too. And he says, there's the goody two-shoes, sucker. It's going to be hard for me to pick a winner here. Yeah, I know. He approaches Salary and says in English, excuse me. <laughs> He's in a red suit with a green shirt and big Harry Potter glasses. Uh-huh. And he says, what time is it now? And she answers in English, it's 530. Uh-huh. And he says in Japanese, oh, it's already so late. I was supposed to meet with my guide at five o'clock. Without my guide, I can't even go to the restaurant. <laughs> this is not. He says in Japanese. Yeah, this doesn't work at all. Like, why would you say it in fluent Japanese? I don't that know. part. I'm so, I was so confused Baka. by that. Yeah. I know. Continue the ruse, man. <laughs> he says, what's your name? You're beautiful, splendid, wonderful, the best. Please have dinner with me. And she says, mm. well, I'm waiting for someone. And he says, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> then Memorial shows up like, yo. And she's like, oh, he's here. Bye. Yeah. And they walk off. As Tiger watches them go, Hawkeye and Fish Person show up to laugh at him. <laughs> Tiger says, well, it was different if she's got a man. And they're like, I don't know. That was pretty suspicious. And Tiger says, very well. Then I'll have her by force. Okay, I know whose side I'm on. Yeah, I know. Don't make me me like the cop. Yeah. We cut to Mamoru talking with Usagi. And he says, we need to break up. I'm in love with Saori. And we see Saori there who, it has to be said, is very small. Yes. I'm not saying that like a short person can't be a cop. But she's like Holly Hunter small. But Holly Hunter was a cop in Raising Arizona. That is true. So you got that. A little bit fierce. Yeah. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! And I think she also, the way she comports herself is very feminine and soft, whereas Usagi's just like, like, and all over the place. A gun makes you as tall as you want. Oh, my God. I guess they don't have guns in Japan. White gloves make you as tall as you want. Uh, So maybe she can get white stilts, too. Uh, Usagi says, Mamoru, No! And Mamoru says, I love her this much. And he's crushed her into him and he's like petting her head like a dog. It's so weird. <laughs> Saying, see? See? <laughs> he says, we're leaving. Tell Chibiusa to take care. And Usagi says, wait, if I don't marry you, Mamo, Chibiusa will never be born. <laughs> Which, well, not 100% accurate. Marriage doesn't have to come into it. Well, that's true. It is a good point, though. Mm-hmm. It's a real X-Men thing. Uh-oh, comic Uh-oh. detour. Woo-woo. Think about Scott Summers and Jean Grey mm-hmm. and their children, Rachel Summers and Nathan Christopher Summers. Mm-hmm. Both children who came back in time from the future and then wonder if they will. Actually, I don't think Cable never really worried about that. But Rachel Summers, Phoenix, yes. did worry when she came back from the alternate timeline in which she lived that if she stayed on the X-Men... You know, maybe she would, a butterfly effect would happen that her kids, her parents would never have her. Mm-hmm. And then they had Nathan, although they, he got infected with a techno-organic virus and had to be sent to the future. Don't worry about it. But when they had him, they were like, oh, our pride and joy. And she was like, wait, I don't have a brother. This is it. This, I did it. I erased my own existence. <laughs> oh my God. Now, obviously she didn't because she's still there. 
And I don't know, I can't remember if they ever ended up having her later, but you know, wibbly wobbly. Right. Comics are weird. Yes. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, that happens in comics all the time. Uh, and comic shows think about Jon Stewart and Shaira in Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. and then meeting yes. Warhawk, Rex Stewart, when yeah. they went to the future. Yeah. And then they're not even together at that point and they come home and they're he's like, uh, does this mean we have to be together? And she's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> But I wanted them to be together still. So I was I'll like. I'm going to stay with Vixen. And I was She's like, a supermodel. I know. So I was like, yes. Yes, it means you have to be together, John. Yes. Yeah. Well, headcanon. They definitely got together. Yeah, headcanon. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Speaking of comics, this is not a dream. Not an imaginary story. It's just an idle imagining, I guess. <laughs> Because Chibi's, unless Chibi was asleep, Chibi's in public. I think she's like daydreaming this scenario. And suddenly she sits up like, oh, foosball practice. Yes. Could this be the biggest crisis hitting me, Chibi Usa? <laughs> <laughs> and she runs somewhere, but before she can get there, she sees Mamoru and Saori walking together. No! <laughs> she recovers quickly, however, and Detective Chibi is back on the case. This tomato isn't kiping my fella. <laughs> she hides behind a wall, and on the other side of it is Kobayashi. Yes. Oh, boy. These two weirdos have a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. Maybe they could get into an addicted to love situation. What is addicted to love? Speaking of weird 90s movies. Oh, my God. Addicted to love. Matthew Broderick is an astronomer. Okay. And every... 12 p.m. or whatever, he turns his, he's he's in the, he's an astronomer in New York or in the city, doesn't make any sense. All right. But he turns the telescope onto his apartment so he can see his wife and she'll wave at him or the girlfriend, <laughs> wife, whatever, right? But then one day he sees her banging Checky Cario. Yes, romantic lead, Checky Cario. Oh, okay. And then she tells him, it's over. I don't want to be around you. So he okay. decides to stalk her. All right, 90s movies. She moves away. He moves to where she lives. And he lives in a loft apartment across the way. And he invents his own like homemade telescope in order to spy on her. And he recruits Meg Ryan to help him do it. And of course, those two end up falling in love. That is really weird and creepy. 90s movies. um, You got a problem. You got a problem. In the world? You need to talk who, to somebody. Who is like, yes, this is a great idea for a romantic comedy. It's America's wacky. Sweethearts. Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan. Yeah, stalking this is like people an edgy together. Meg Ryan. She wears like combat boots. She's got spiky hair. That's like half of Meg Ryan's roles, but still. It's like, look at him. This is a wild, this is a wild job. She's not like other girls. No. <laughs> Sari and Mamoru are walking and she's asking him to go shopping with her. For thin blue line Punisher gear, probably. Oh my gosh. And he says, Are you shopping for some guy? <laughs> Behind them, Koba and Chibi have gone full addicted to love as they yes. are following them. Yep. And Koba says, Well, they're a pretty couple. And Chibi's just looking at him like, This is my life now. <laughs> Listening to incels like this. <laughs> this is what I have to do. He says, I still think I would have had a chance. And Chibi's like, Go to her. I know. Do it. I'll cheer you on. Fight, fight. Kobayashi, fight. Yes. <laughs> Back at Paparappa, our hero, Usagi, still can't choose between the hippo and the horse. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just like, doesn't it feel like they've totally like rolled back all of the, the growth that she has gone Hold through? Hold that thought. 
Yeah. I want to talk about that later or maybe in about 30 seconds. Hippo means horse in Latin, by the way, but that's not going to help her. Chibi runs in like, hey, that kitten is trying to swindle your sheep with her walking sticks. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, that girl is stealing Mamo. (laughs) And Usagi's like, what? Who? And Chibi says, sorry, idiot. The difference between you and her is like the moon and a turtle. (laughs) You're the turtle. It's conceded to think that Mamo's love will never change. Sari is smarter, more mature, sexier, and looks intelligent. (laughs) Even I think it would be better if she was my mother. If you don't end up with Mamo, I'll never be born. (laughs) And Usagi's like, Oh, Ricky, don't hate me, Mamo. (laughs) And Chibi says, That's better. Don't you think that you should act more mature? And Usagi's like, Oh, nope. Psych! I would never doubt Mamo's love for me. You, you, you just don't get it, do you? The real problem is Hippo or Horse! God! Chibi just grabs her and drags her out of the store. Thank God. At the park, Mamoru and Saori are sitting, and he says, Is it somebody that I know that you bought that tie for? I can't imagine the type of guy that you'd fall for. And she says, Oh, really? And she's kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And Mamoru big dumb lug that he is. Yep. He's like, what? What'd I say? And she says, isn't it strange? And he says, what? The tie? Good one. I didn't write that. That's good. That's their he That's their joke. so dense sometimes. It's good. Like uh, when he made Usagi some hot chocolate when she's like, ooh, I'm cold. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she says, well, someone like me. Excuse me. What time God. is it now? <laughs> Tiger's back. Thank God, excuse me, is bad. Sorry, says, uh, it's, but before she can answer, he says, you are my target. <laughs> this is what, this is what they're doing. I they're know. doing this. I know. And he changes into his circus togs. One, two, three, and she's on the board and her mirror's out. Mamoru moves to intervene, but he's whipped to the ground by Tiger. Now Mamoru's in a Peter Parker situation. Oh my God, I know. He can't transform. No. He has to just be Mamoru. Mm-hmm. Tiger throws a million knives. I know. Which is a power he has. I News. And they pin Mamoru to the steps that he's on. That's cool. It's a thir- circus-themed attack. It's yeah. like a knife thrower thing. Like that. Sauri says, who are you? This is assault. If you stop now, it's just a misdemeanor. Tiger walks to her like, yeah, yeah, give me a dream. <laughs> and he sticks his head in her mirror. Chibi and Usagi arrive to see this, and they moon, crisis, makeup, transform. Tiger pulls his head out, and he says, well, he's not here, but there's a lot of justice in there. (laughs) (laughs) We hear, hold it right there. I can't forgive you for putting innocent women through strange pain. For love and justice, I, Sailor Moon, and Sailor Chibi Moon will punish you. Come here, my lemur, says Tiger, and out of his shadow... Inflates Balloon Girl Puko, a giant green anthropomorphic balloon. Mm -hmm. She starts flying around the park, and she slams into Chibi, pinning her to the ground. Tiger says, take care of them, and disappears through a ring of fire. Sari drops to the ground, and Puko says, she's not beautiful. I guess she's referring to Sari in this case. I... I think she's talking about she, Chibi. That's what I thought. Oh, like Chibi's not. I, want, I only want to crush beautiful people because she crushes Chibi and then she sees her and she's like, says to somebody, she's not beautiful. And then she gets uh, up to go and crush Sauri. She f- sh- sh- flies through the air. But just before she lands on her, 
She says, Memoro. Well, yeah. And she's like, she likes what he sees. Mm-hmm. And she says, I think I'll go after him. <laughs> and just before she lands on him, boom! Sailor Moon throws herself over Mamoru, catching Puko. Mamoru says, get out of here. But Sailor Moon holds the lemur tight. Puko says, you're using your body as a shield? Beautiful. How beautiful. <laughs> I know. And Sailor Moon's like, because <laughs> the balloon is smothering her. Yes. Mamoru keeps struggling, but Puko says, it's okay. Right after I kill her, I'll kill you too. I know. She lifts up. And she's grasping Usagi tightly to her. No air. And Usagi eventually stops struggling and goes limp. Mamoru screams, Usako! And Saori, hearing this, realizes the affection that he has for her and that she has no chance. Mm-hmm. Also, way to go, Serpico. You're just lying there. I know. <laughs> you can't just get up. And then also, way to go, like, revealing her secret identity. <laughs> well, whatever. I know. They're not uh, even trying at this point. Yeah, now the cops know who Usagi is. <laughs> oh, no. going to show up at Ding Dong, Sakino House. Oh, that could be. Oh, is our, Did Dad come home finally? Oh, do, do, no. Do, do, do. no, it's the cops. Uh, Momoro says, Argh! that's a quote. And he tears himself out of his pin jacket. He grabs one of the knives and stabs Puko in the side. Finally. Now I really don't know whose side I'm on. <laughs> Puko immediately deflates and flies away. Mamoru catches Usagi. She says, I'm okay. Puko was down, but not out. Now she's a woman-shaped balloon Mm -hmm. with a hole in her side. Yes. Women first, monsters second. (laughs) Of course, I know. She says, sheesh, what are you doing to me? (laughs) She tapes up her side. (laughs) Sailor Moon says, now Chibi Moon. And Chibi rings her carillon and with a twinkle yell, she summons Pegasus. Pegasus says, whoa, I don't know who I'm rooting for in this one. (laughs) As Puko uses a foot pump to try and reinflate herself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, it's got to go real fast. Come on. (laughs) Sailor Moon uses Moon Gorgeous Meditation on the squeaky lemur who stages out and is no more. And Pegasus doesn't appear again. I guess he's just like, okay, well, uh, later, I gotta go. I think we're supposed to, like, I think he show. I know. I think he shows up every time. Nobody, the, the salary's not like, oh, that's an unlicensed horse in the city, so we're gonna have to find you. I mean, that would have. Hey, Cab, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a nice touch. But yeah, he doesn't show up really at all. It's like he just shows up so Sailor Moon can do her big move. Powers and then the, he the like powers meditation. out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's a team team effort. Yeah. Sailor Moon rushes to Mamo to free him from the knives. And he says, awfully sexily, thank you. <laughs> As Saori looks on like, oh, well, I'll just stalk him when I have a badge and a gun. Oh, my God. All is well. Later at college, Saori is looking out over the quad and Kobayashi shows up and he says, how was yesterday, you sly dog? What's up with Chiba? You told him how you felt, right? Uh She just shakes her head. No. She says, you want this tie? It'd be a waste to throw it away. And he says, what? Are you giving up? You who want to be the police commissioner? She gives him kind of a side glance and he's like, I mean, I'm not making fun of anything. Don't you mean? <laughs> but she laughs and says, there's no way I can compete against the girl who's keeping the peace all over the earth. That's right, bitch! <laughs> to protect and get served! Oh my god. And because it's Sailor Moon, we cut to an interlude where Usagi and Chibi are tugging back and forth over Mamoru. Mm-hmm. The question of Chibi's conception remains an open one. <laughs> 
Saori would flunk out of the police academy when she failed her psyche vows. Kobayashi hung himself soon after with a brand new tie. Oh my god! Shibiusa would be booked on gun possession charges. Usaki Sakino <laughs> never made a decision between horse and hippo. There are 200 stories in this anime series. This has been one of them. That is amazing. Dun dun. <laughs> it's from the Naked City. The Naked City? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were doing Law and Order again. Starring James Franciscus. Oh, James Franciscus. Wasn't he in Finder of Lost Love? Oh, no, that's Tony Franciosa. What a weird episode. And did you notice? Yeah. There's nothing to notice. No senshi. <laughs> Nobody's in this thing. You know. So we gave up yes. all the girls for, for this. this. It'll be in the rating. What did we get? I know. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but up until this episode, this season, I think there is maybe one exception to this. Um, it's just been um, Sailor Moon and Chibi Moon fighting the uh, lemur and the, the trio. Mm-hmm. And then it, we've only seen them transform. I don't think we've seen the other girls transform at all. It's, it's really strange. And then the other girls, a lot of the times, aren't even like big parts of the episodes. You've got Peg, – well, Pegasus doesn't even talk half the time now. Um, oh, like are they saving money on like voice acting or something? Do you know what I mean? I don't – Again, this is a this is a tuxedo on mass thing, or this is a well, when we open up our um, investigative uh, journalism Sailor Moon podcast. Part of his theory was that they S was so serious and so dark, and they wanted to. Is that true? Uh, it was more mature. Let me put it that way than it, some of the previous. Which seasons. is five. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean... They're, they're busting ghosts? What are you talking about? I mean, like, Neptune and Uranus almost died and stuff they like that. They almost died, and yeah. a little girl was and her father were possessed by an extra-dimensional yes. entity. Yes. But that's, like, standard Sailor Moon stuff. I know, but for some reason, it seems like, it seems like their direction in this season was, a like... A little girl made a friend... And then basically lost that friend and kind of learned about, like, death and, like, the way life works. I know. But then also learned that sometimes you can be reincarnated as a baby. And then she had to go back to <laughs> kindergarten after that? Are you kidding me? I know. Miss um, Takino, we'd like to talk to you about this picture that Chibi Usa drew. Just <laughs> like a giant eye and a fire. Um, yeah, but they like wanted to make this season more humorous. Well, they're <laughs> they're trying. Like the beginning of the show, fun, but you know, the fun scene of a tense dinner. Yeah, it's a trope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think that it could have worked, but only if the stakes are set from the beginning. You can't just drop us into that. There's a reason that it's called "Guess Who's Coming to Dinner." And not, why is there a black guy at my dinner table? Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to, we have to know that these two forces are going to collide. And then we can enjoy, like, oh, what they, that's the irony, the dramatic irony of, like, what they think is happening, what they think is happening, right? That's, right. we need anticipation going into it. Yes. It's meet the Fockers, not, those Fockers were assholes. Well, like, right. not, we have to, we have to be going into it. Yes. To get it to work. Yes. You tried to milk him, didn't you, you sick son of a bitch? Well, and then, like, like you're saying, it's weird that we started with characters that we don't know at all. Yeah. Who, this, no, I mean, I don't think, that one, see, they, they really spoiled us that one time when they were like, what the hell, round two, uh, literally, in the case of Bakshi, um, 
will have characters like come back, you know, because they're possessed yeah. by the 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 grand uh, great Yoma the, or whatever. The, uh, the rainbow crystals. Yeah, and yeah. so it yeah. was like, oh wow, oh, cool, we're getting to see that characters. Was awesome. Yeah, again. I really liked that. But like, th- this is that's not gonna happen with this. No. We'll never see this girl again. Who cares? No, never, know. not even once. Mm-mm. So that's kind of sad. Something else is that <sighs> I'm really conflicted. Um, they keep pushing. So this season was supposed to be lighter, like you said. I think. But I think Tuxedo Unmasked needs to watch the show again because I think every one of these situations has like pushed us to some kind of very adult brink in some way, Mm -hmm. which I'm not against. But the weird constructions by which they do it and not signifying in some way to us that this is a, you know, this isn't your little sister's sailor moon. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So like the first set of victims were all adult women. You know, it was like literally um, horse lady uh, trying to figure out uh, what she's going to do with her life. Mm-hmm. Or it was Ikoku Mama. Mama. Yeah. yeah. And <sighs> the thing with Naru, like the show gives us wins in that like Naru, who was literally seduced, although he turned to be a nicer guy than we thought, but like by a villain before, is put yes. in that situation again. And right. this time she's like, uh, get away from me. Screw you. Yeah. And I have a superhero finally. friend that will kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's fine. Uh, Usagi's, Usagi's like blind confidence in Mamo in this. Chibi has a point in that. I don't think that Usagi has thought it through, but I also don't think that a character has to be completely racked with insecurity uh, and self-obsession to be a good character or to be in love. She just... It's like, look, you little pink haired bitchling. We've been through three and a half years of people trying to kill us. You know, I know that we're in love. Also, I had the literal, I'm looking at the proof that we're going to be together forever. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? But like, mm-hmm. I've been to the, I'm a queen in the future. I know this is fine. Also, I'm 15 and I don't pay attention to this stuff. But like, I think that she can have it both ways. And I really liked, that was my favorite moment in the episode. But I don't know if they know it's the best moment in the episode because they yeah. spend the rest of the time trying to assassinate her character. I know. Although, I was... to be fair, that's uh, that's a moving target as far as <laughs> Saki's character is concerned. I agree, but it's like I just I just didn't like like look. She's a lovable buffoon. Why do we have to have her? Who breaks a butterfly on a wheel? I know, but why do we have to have her obsess over these? Stupid, ugly but she has, animals. This entire oh, uh, well, that yeah. I was. I thought you were going to say it went the, on too long. The relationship she has obsessed over it in the past. The relationship, and, yeah, yeah. And I guess Chibi wasn't around for all that because she's trying to like get Usagi to realize this, and Usagi is both completely <laughs> unaware of any danger in her life, yeah, but also has supreme confidence in her boyfriend because they have. They have weathered so much, and I think that that's really great. Well, you know what tells me that they don't know what they've got on their hands, the writers of this show? They established the hippo and the horse choice, and it's not a metaphor for anything. No. You've got characters who are trying to choose to between that. things in this episode, and then they've got her trying to choose between a hippo and a horse, and it doesn't really mean anything. Mm-mm. Not that, like, you know, a children's anime cartoon has to have really deep writing, but... Justice League does. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another I mean, shout out for Justice League. Well, I mean, it's just a missed opportunity. What are we doing that Justice League podcast? Um, I don't know. Write Get it your down. votes in now. Yeah. Listeners, let us know. 
I, I have one little fact. Um, so the toy store, uh, Fancy Goods, uh, Papa Rappa, Papa Rappa. Um, so I think you were um, alluding to the Dragon Ball reference, right? No. Oh, no. Okay. No. So it's a... It's Papa a... Rappa the Rapper, the PlayStation oh, game. Oh, right. So there's that too. <laughs> so um, it is a um, magic word that's used in Dragon Ball, but... Um, this the term that's on the store could be a reference to the Japanese nonsense term, uh, papa rapa pop. Oh my gosh, papa, papa rapa. rapa, which literally means nonsense, and it's used to make fun of someone who is talking in a foolish way, to express surprise and awe, and at least in the case of Dragon Ball, to initiate magic, um, and it can also mean clumsy or stupid. Uh, the hashtag paparapa uh, Twitter hashtag means, quote, having fun, quote, playing around or, quote, acting dumb. It's a it's a popular thing in in Japanese culture. And it's um, it's often found to be the titles of songs. And um, it's actually titles of songs in different languages, too. So so. Para, par, it's Parappa the Rapper. I guess I never really read it that closely. I always thought it was Papa Rappa the Rapper. Yeah. It's Parappa the Rapper. Parappa the Rapper. Parappa the Rapper. That's not even a good... Just use the word... You've already got a word that means nonsense. Yeah, I know, right? I guess maybe you don't want your... Your character to mean nonsense. To nonsense. <laughs> but that's that, what you're be, referring that, to. That would be insane to have your rapper's name be nonsense. That would be ludicrous. <laughs> How would you describe Just Enough Trope? We are the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mikan Hana. Oh no, does this mean they can hear all the things I yell at the TV during Downton Abbey? Why did you do that? <laughs> How do you plead? Let the game begin. Yeah, check these fresh moves. Oh! Don't shoot man in face. This isn't the Save Gotham fundraiser. It's the Chill Family Reunion. Master Yoda assigned a Padawan to this bold Jedi. I think it's pronounced Padawan. Oh, Padawan, excuse me. Hey, it's getting late. I think Ralph's going to want his motorcycle back. Uh, go check out the pictures of Dean Gray. I am freaking getting old. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the life clock was blinking in your hand. Get out of here, Wilson. Go fight the Teen Titans or something. I'm unkillable, not unwoundable. You like Sailor Moon, right? Why don't you sail on this oh, Wow. Just enough trope. News, reviews, and geek fondue. Every Monday on the Just Enough Trope Podcast Network. Loving me never have a say. You so be sorry. What? Today for Kuro Kuro Miru, or Curiously Looking Around, where we take a look at elements of Japanese culture within the episode, we're going to be talking about the Shinsengumi. Oh. Uh, the Shinsengumi, <laughs> which means... Well, historical police are okay. Y- yes. I mean, Well, know, we'll talk for... about it. Uh, the Shinsengumi, which means, quote, new select brigade or, quote, newly select corps, uh, depending on the translation, uh, was a special police force organized by the Tokugawa shogunate during Japan's uh, Bakumatsu period hmm. or the end of the Edo period from 1853 to 1867, which, if you don't know, was a very turbulent time. We'll get into it. Goyo. Uh, yes. Goyo, they would shout. Go- Goyo? Goyo. What does that mean? That means uh, police. 
Oh, gotcha. They would they would run in and say, "Okay, man, I'll just shut up." <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Uh, the Shinsengumi was created in 1863 and was active until uh, 1869, so not a very long time. Uh, they were founded to protect. Or they were originally founded to protect the shogunate representatives in Kyoto during a politically turbulent time. A lot of feudal lords criticized the Tokugawa shogunate for caving to demands from Commodore Perry in 1854 to open Japanese ports to the West. Could these ports be any more open? I, I was waiting for that. Every time. I know. <laughs> There's going to be a lot more of that during this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, this was viewed as an act of weakness. Many began to rally for the end of the Tokugawa shogunate and for the emperor to be reinstated as the sole ruler of Japan. The political phrase, sono joy, meaning revere the emperor, expel the barbarians, became very popular. Huh. Yeah. Goyo means like arrest or capture. It's it's uh, like saying, hold it right there. Okay, that makes sense. I'm sure they, they said that a, a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, Goyo, slime ball. <laughs> Not quite the same. Not quite the same, but... Um, it must be, it was Callahan. I have my rights, Callahan. Sorry. It's okay. Um, loyalists are those who were loyal to the Japanese emperor, especially, uh, the Choshu domain, uh, began to rebel and to assassinate shogunate supporters and representatives in Kyoto, which is where the emperor lived during the Edo period. Uh, in response, the Tokugawa shogunate formed the, uh, Roshigumi or the Ronin squad in October. Ronin squad. Yeah. I, I like that. That could be an anime. Uh, in October, 1862, the, the Roshigumi was a squad of 234 Ronin. Uh, the squad's nominal commander was, uh, Matsudaira Katamori, who was the daimyo of the Aizu domain and the military commissioner of Kyoto. So both of those things. Hmm. And their leader was uh, Kiyokawa Hachiro, a ronin from the Shonai domain. The Roshigumi's original mission was to was specifically to protect uh, Tokugawa Iemochi, the 14th shogun, uh, during an important trip to Kyoto to meet with uh, the Emperor Komei. This was a big deal as the shogun had not met with an emperor in Kyoto since the 17th century. So this is like the shogun and the emperor yes. are separate. You know, there's a yes. military leader and there's a, you know, spiritual or political leader. And um, during the... Especially during when the Tokugawa were in charge, which was for a really long time, um, but basically during all of uh, the feudal period and the, and when the shogunate was ruling Japan, uh, the shogun um, was more powerful uh, than the emperor. Yeah, um, the emperor was a puppet. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's what's still going on. Not here. like a literal puppet. That would be no, awesome. No, I know. But he was he was kind of oh, like sayonara. <laughs> yeah. He's he's in a like traditional um, yeah. Japanese. You can already outfit. see it. Yes, I can exactly. <laughs> he's got a little fan. Sensational, inspirational, yes. reputation. And then uh, and then Piggy is a geisha, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the it was a big deal. Uh, 
Tokugawa Iemochi had uh, been invited to discuss how Japan should enact the recent imperial edict calling for the expulsion of foreigners. And again, this is after uh, Japan had been open for several years. Right. Like a genie uh, out of bottle. Yep. Not looking like he wants to go back. No. But how do we make this happen? Are we making this happen? What are we doing? Yeah. and something that I believe, I think that the shogunate was, generally speaking, more open to the fact of having foreigners in the country and doing trade uh, with the West than um, the emperor was. Yeah, it's capital. Yeah. Trade means that makes, more yeah, money. More exactly. money means more guns and swords and more control. Right. Um, something that... I, I saw that Tom Cruise movie. Right. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, something that is important to note, the Shinsengumi were uh, funded and commanded by the Aizu clan, because remember, the, the commander is part of the Aizu uh, yeah. clan. Right. Uh, the first leader of uh, the Aizu clan was a son of the second Tokugawa shogun and was given a large and wealthy piece of land to rule over. And because of this, the Aizu were very loyal to the Tokugawa shogunate. I mean, that just makes sense. Um, Kind of loosely related, I guess. Mm. Um, Although the Roshigumi was funded by the Tokugawa shogunate, the leader Kiyokawa and others had strong loyalties to the emperor and planned to gather other ronin in Kyoto to police the city from insurgents. So they were uh, basically going to turn on the whole idea of the Shinsengumi. Um, when Kiyo- Kiyokawa's plan was revealed in Kyoto, he commanded the Roshigumi to return to Edo. The members disbanded, and most of them returned to Edo, where they would later form the uh, Shinchogumi under the patronage of Shonai Domain. They don't really matter. There's no Wikipedia page for them. I'm assuming they're another huh. kind of police force or patrolling sort of thing, but I have no information. Interesting. Um, 19 uh, Roshigumi members, mainly from the Mito clan, remained in Kyoto and formed the Mibu Roshigumi. Initially, the Mibu Roshigumi, this is going to become a pattern. We're going to change the name of of, uh, this police force that's only around for five, six years over and over again. Okay. Um, (laughs) Initially, the Mibu Roshigumi were called uh, Miburo, or Ronin of Mibu. At the time, Mibu was a village south of Kyoto um, and was the place where they were stationed. Uh, Mibo, not Mibo, Mibu Roshigumi was initially formed in three factions under uh, uh, Serizawa, the Mito group, Kondo, the uh, uh, Shikan group, and Tonuchi. So there were three different kind of co-commanders at the time. Internal strife soon developed within the group. Uh, Tonuchi was assassinated by uh, Kondo on Yojo Bridge. Serizawa had ordered a member, Iesato uh, Sugo, to commit seppuku uh, for deserting, and Nagishi Yuzen also deserted and returned to Edo, where he joined the uh, Shinshogumi, so the the other group that I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the kind of You're like out of the band. Yeah, I'll make my own band. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Um, 
Matsudaira Katamori, the commander of the Miburo and the daimyo of the Aizu clan, decided that the purpose of the Mibu, Mibu Roshigumi needed to be altered due to how tumultuous uh, Kyoto was at the time. The Mibu Roshigumi shifted their focus from protecting the shogunate to safeguarding the streets of Kyoto and reinstating order in the name of the Tokugawa government. So this is when they shifted from specifically protecting the emperor to being a police force. Uh, the Mibu Roshigumi's reputation quickly tarnished as they frequently used brutality and were generally feared. Uh, you know, the police. Um, they gained the nickname uh, the Wolves of Mibu. Were they like busting crimes and stuff like that? Like it, at first they're like a, a secret service. Uh -huh. And that now they're basically like an anti-insurgent force. Yes. But if you, you know, cheated somebody on a deal or something like that, or broke into somebody's house or tried to rape somebody or something like that, would they be like, whoa, whoa, all right, run this guy in, Goyo, this guy? I think... It doesn't they, sound like it. Well, I think they largely were um, trying to figure out what the loyalists were doing and like assaulting them if they found them or like arresting them. Sure. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're um, just they're just literally an anti-insurgency group because yeah, I, think I assume so. that robberies and rapes and, and swindles were punished before this happened. I think so, yeah. So it's it's really important that we've got this this crew of guys who I can know. just do whatever they want. Called the Wolves of Mibu. Yeah. So that's that's a great nickname. You don't, want that. Don't tell modern American police that. I know. I would love that. I know. Uh so uh <laughs> Basically, this police the, force... The Japanese flag, but the sun is blue in the middle. Oh, no. We have to burn this entire podcast. We do. That's Sorry. terrible. Sorry, everyone. Oh, my God. Um, So the Mibu Roshigumi needed a, a rebrand to bolster their reputation. Another? Yes. On August 18th, 1863, the Mibu Roshigumi officially became the Shinsengumi. And then they became... Jefferson Starship, and later they were just Starship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And later they were just Star. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Shinsengumi were led by Sarazawa, Sarazawa Kamo, uh, Nimi Nishiki, and Kondo Isami. Some of those are the, the same names. Um, in September 1863, the Choshu clan, who were um, the clan that was the most anti-Tokugawa, um, were forced from the imperial court by the Tokugawa, Aizu, and the Satsuma clans. Uh, the Shinsengumi were sent to aid the Aizu and guard the gates of the imperial court. So basically, make sure they got out of there. Yep. So one of the leaders, um, Sarazawa, his uh, behavior was erratic and disruptive. Uh, supposedly, and I feel like this is one of those stories that there is some truth to, but I've saw a couple different versions of it. And it seems like one of those things that may have gotten more fantastical as um, time has gone on. Okay. But supposedly he got into a bar fight with a sumo wrestler, <laughs> which created a fight with 25 to 30 other sumo wrestlers who all belong to the same dojo. <laughs> By the end of the fight, 
Sarazawa and the party of around 10 fellow uh, fighters, you know, all part of the Shinsengumi, um, had won, and uh, 10 sumo wrestlers were dead, and the others were all seriously injured. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this was not a lone incident. That's like a whole sumo team. Yeah. They're like, well, that's that's it. That, that's how We're not going to regionals end. this year. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Uh, so, so, okay. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Now I'm going to present a little political commentary. Go for it. Social commentary. Mm. Doesn't it seem like they're just a gang? Kind of. Right? With like... Uh, At some point you go... Government backing. All right, there's a shogun who's already a military leader that runs an army, but like and or an emperor, and there's people that are mad at them. Now, they've got grievances... I understand. I'm not picking a side, but you're like, we got to protect the, the shogun or the emperor who might be a little kid. That's true. <laughs> Depending on how the, the succession works. Yeah. That makes sense. But now it's like, now we're just going to go out in the street and they put one of ours in the hospital. We put two of theirs in the morgue. Yeah. That's the Kyoto way. Yeah. Yes. It, doesn't it? Aren't they just acting like a gang? Isn't that what's just happening Yes. Here? Yes. Okay. Except they have like military right. power and That's, stuff like that. Oh, oh, they've got military equipment? Oh, okay. That's not going to come back. No, this I know. It's a very isolated incident. Well, and, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, there was a lot of other brutality like this. And um, they you did- You put like ox nuts on your wagon <laughs> back in the day? What? <laughs> I'm, I don't understand that reference. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, um, Wow. Uh, so that was just one example of uh, Sarazawa's erratic behavior. Uh, oh, Sarazawa. Yeah. yeah. This guy, we know, is coming or going. He's, and, you know, he's one of the commanders, so this looks bad. Uh, so <laughs> Matsudaira, knowing that something needed to be done, ordered the Shinsengumi uh, to assassinate Sarazawa and his group. Oh, now they're assassins. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, There's oh, a progression. Going here. good. Yeah. Going well. On October 19th, 1863, Nimi Nishiki, a member of the Sarazawa faction, was forced by uh, Yamanami Keisuke and uh, Hijikata Toshizo to commit seppuku for breaking regulations. On October 30th, a few selected Shinsengumi members, led by Hijikata, who will become very important later, uh, went into the Yagi Gen Genojo's house and assassinated Sarazawa, his lover Oume, and Hirayama Goro, with Hirama, uh, Hirama Jusuke being the only survivor who fled that night. Um, all of this uh, infighting led to uh, Kondo as the lone leader at the time of okay. the Shinsengumi. And that's like the end of season four. I know. This is in 1863, and they started in 1863. Sons of Anarchy. S-U-N-S. -S oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there have, we'll get to it, but there's been a lot of... Uh, the Rising uh, Sons. Yes. There's been a lot of media depictions of the Shinsengumi. Well, um, in Japan. Yes, exactly. You're right. You're right. Do one over here. So uh, one of the most infamous accounts of the Shinsengumi was the incident at the Ikidaya Inn in Kyoto. 
On July 8, 1864, so this is the following year now, um, 30 Shinsengumi suppressed a cell of 20 uh, Choshu revolutionaries, possibly preventing the burning of Kyoto. The incident made the squad more famous, notorious, and led to soldiers enlisting uh, with the Shinsengumi. Mm -hmm. The loyalists to the emperor were using the Ikadaya Inn as a base for their operations. The Shinsengumi arrested one of the loyalists, uh, Furutaka Shuntaro, and the arrest of Furutaka triggered the Ikadaya uh, Inn incident. The Shinsengumi interrogated him to try to learn more about what the loyalists were up to. Um, and Hijikata Tojizo, who was the guy who I mentioned before was going to become more important, he becomes one of the uh, vice commanders, one of the co-commanders of the Shinsengumi at one point. Um, but he's uh, very important and has a lot of power at this point. And um, he allegedly... Um, was incredibly brutal to uh, Furutaka and kind of um, oversaw this uh, interrogation. Mm. Um, and with the while the prisoner was unresponsive, this is this has supposedly oh never been a hundred percent verified, but this is the story. When the prisoner was unresponsive, Hijikata was said to have suspended Furutaka by his ankles, restrained his wrists and driven five-inch spikes into his heels. Huh. Placing lit candles upon the holes, hot wax dripped deep into his calves. The prisoner eventually claimed that they planned to set fire to Kyoto and capture uh, Matsudaira Katamori, which again is the... Uh, um, the military leader of Kyoto. Right. Um, also, he stated that a lot of people from uh, the Choshu clan were hiding on Gion Street specifically. Uh, Kondo Isami led a group of Shinsengumi to the inn to arrest the loyalists, and a second group led by Hijikata arrived shortly thereafter. The next morning, the house of Sakamoto Ryoma, who was known to be... Um, anti-Tokugawa uh, uh, was attacked. Shinsengumi, the Shinsengumi continued hunting surviving loyalist warriors with the Aizu clan, uh, and they stayed up all night hunting, and they came back um, around noon with their clothes supposedly smeared in blood. <laughs> um, eight loyalists were killed, and 23 were arrested. Huh. So... That sort of event was it has been romanticized and it's it's sometimes told like in like a sentence and been like, wow, they, they prevented the burning of Kyoto. Right. And then people wanted to enlist. When you torture people, they tell you the truth all the time. I know. That's what happens. I know. <laughs> yeah. There's uh wow. I feel like I want to play Yakuza. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Yakuza series, the video game series, yes. uh, has, um, I believe they've had previous ones, but they're, they're going to have a, uh, period, um, game that's coming out oh, soon really? this year. Yeah. And it's set during, uh, Bakumatsu. Oh, I'm sure the Shinsengumi are going to be a part of it. Well, here is the, uh, the pitch for it. It is, uh, you play Sakamoto Ryoma 
who is distressed, resulting from conflicting pressures and uncertainty about oneself and his role in society. That's being, the guy I just mentioned. Yep. Being embroiled in the middle of a Tosa coup d'etat and bent on finding the murderer who assassinated his mentor, he burrows himself with a hidden identity in the streets of Kyoto and he joins the Shinsengumi. Oh, so he's like going undercover. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. I like uh that sounds really I would like to watch you play that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I might. You might? The Yakuza games are are fun, but I wonder like without like Pachinko and like naked guys trying to sell you cell phones and Yeah. <laughs> don't know what what it'll be. I'm sure they'll find like goofy things to happen. Right. Fight a giant lobster. Well, I mean the the story sounds interesting. Let me just put it that way. But anyway, um, yeah, apparently, uh, and this guy, well, you know, he, he had a sad end, so I wonder how that'll work into the game. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, maybe they'll write him a different ending. Um, at its peak, the Shinsengumi had about 300 members. Uh, they were the first samurai group of the Tokugawa era to allow people from non-samurai classes, for example, farmers and merchants, join. Uh, Social status was irrelevant. Membership was mostly decided by fighting skills. The majority of the Shinsengumi were ronin, with the rest of the squad being mostly made up of lower birth men who were very skilled at martial arts. So, I mean, that's that's a cool aspect of it, right? Like, Japan, very hierarchical. um, I I said that weird. Um, uh, you know, culture, but it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Join the Shinsengumi, but... Apparently they weren't taking that many applicants, though, because there's only 300 of these guys. Yeah, I know. I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, I guess you have to be really good at fighting if you're, if you're not a ronin. (laughs) (laughs) We only take the best. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's the no pile. It's just a pile of bodies. Oh, my God! (laughs) No! That's awful. Um, Apparently, you know, Ryoma was, you know, a guy who, again, having a hard time picking my side here. But, I know. You know, as a uh, a revolutionary and as an insurrectionist, you know, he, he wanted to destroy the caste system. Okay, that makes sense. He, I think he that's was, one reason why a lot of people wanted the shogunate to be gone. Feudalism. Yeah. And against that. And he was, apparently he uh, studied... Uh, you know, like democratic governance mm. um, because, you know, the lines of communication are open now, right? Right. So, uh, you know, here, here's your scene. Uh, Matthew Perry, played by Matthew Perry, is just blowing a butt, you know, down by the docks. <laughs> and then he starts, a samurai comes up or Ronan comes up, they start talking and it's Ryoma. <laughs> and he's learning about the United States Congress. He's uh-huh. learning about... Uh, parliament, you know, sure. and representative democracy. And he says, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Who's the bad guy here? Yeah, I know. Who gets shanked in a tea house I, here? Oh, my God. I do you know. know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what you're saying. It's hard to pick a side. Um, no, it's not. You don't think so? <laughs> no, I'm on his side. Well, I'm okay. totally on his side, 100%. Yeah. I guess. In fact, he was, these guys, the Shinsengumi are just special bodies of men armed with swords who are here to maintain the status quo. No, you're, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Debuting today. (laughs) 
you know, they were they absolutely were there to maintain the the status quo and the hierarchical system. Yeah. Um, the code of the Shinsengumi was famously created by Hijikata Toshizo, um, and it included five edicts: no deviation from the samurai code or bushido, no leaving the Shinsengumi, no raising money privately, no taking part in others' litigation. And no engaging in private fights. Um, and they followed all those rules. No. Oh. The penalty for breaking any rule was seppuku. Huh. Yeah. Uh, in oh, addition. strict. I know. In addition, uh, this is very specific. If the leader of a unit was mortally wounded in a fight, all the members of the unit must fight and die on the spot. And even... If in a fight where the death toll was high, the unit was not allowed to retrieve the bodies of the dead except the corpse of the leader of the unit. What? So they leave all men behind? Except the leader. Why? I don't know. (laughs) That was was the rule. It's a great organization we got here. Uh, just a, a little note about Bushido, which we'll have to do sometime on Kuro Kuro Miro. But I can't it's, believe we haven't yet. I know. I wrote it down. Um, but it literally means the way of the warrior, um, and it's a moral code concerning samurai attitudes, behavior, and lifestyles. Uh, Bushido formalized earlier samurai moral values and ethical code, uh, and most commonly stressed a combination of sincerity, uh, frugality, loyalty, martial arts, martial arts mastery, and honor until death. Yeah. Funny thing about that. Yeah. Not necessarily what we exactly think of. Yeah. It I was know. not. The, the, the term itself wasn't even used until after Is that right? the Warring States period was over. So people That's think weird. about samurai going all the way back as being, you know, these warrior poets with this code. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, Tokugawa had wrapped the entire thing up and now had a bunch of soldiers who had no war to fight. Yes. Who were just hanging around and doing whatever they wanted. Yes. That he needed to have... A code. So he's like, no, come on. We're all, you guys are samurai. And there's a code that we have. So it is very much a back formation that was used to keep wow. their people in line. That is one interpretation, but it is a popular interpretation. Interesting. But we have this idea of like, oh, the samurai, they're just, you know, they have these these codes. And it's like the, yeah. the you know, the chivalric code of like European knights. Right. Also... Also very conveniently dropped whenever you needed to, uh, you know, kill somebody and uh, steal their wife or something like that. Great. Itadaki Mas with Usagi. What did Usagi eat in this episode? Uh, so Saori brings an assortment of cakes from the shop. I think I saw that it was listed as cake cake. I could be cake, wrong. Cake cake. <laughs> um, but uh, it is considered good etiquette in Japanese culture to bring a small shareable gift or uh, temiyage when you visit someone's home. Um, similar to temiyage, omiyage are gifts that you bring back after a trip. I know I've mentioned omiyage before and love to do a kuro kuro miro on that someday. Um, Mamo also serves tea and then Tiger tells Saori that she must join him for dinner. Um, Villain Gage, where we rate a baddie from one to five dark stars, five being the most wicked. 
The lemur in this episode is named Puko, the balloon lady. Um, yeah. Um, Puko's name refers to the Japanese sound of someone blowing air, like when you blow up a balloon. Puka puka. Yeah. Uh, the term puto is the actual onomatopoeia for blowing air. Oh. Uh, Puko says poo to blow herself up. So, I mean, it's just all kind of tangentially related. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, her design. Uh, Puko is literally a lady that looks like a balloon. A balloon lady. Um, she is large, spherical, and rubberized. She is mostly teal with a large red stripe down the middle and, uh, and four black diamonds by each of her appendages, as well as four more on her back. Uh, and she has a face with purple eyes, complete with eyebrows, and she wears purple lipstick. She also has hands and feet, because that's not terrifying. Right. Um, once deflated, she returns <laughs> to a more humanoid-looking form, where while still made out of balloon material... In this form, she has wavy purple hair with bangs, and the balloon tie and, and teal section at the top of her head looks kind of like a hat. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah got it that works. going on. <laughs> uh, then we're up to our rating. It's terrifying how uh, Puko literally lays on Chibi and tries to suffocate her. I'm also disturbed by her saying, I swear in my version it says, not a beautiful child. Oh, okay. <laughs> then that's what it was. Yeah. Um, I like that she sees Mamo and instantly falls in love with him. I like how while she is suffocating Sailor Moon, she is moved to tears that Sailor Moon is sacrificing herself for Mamo. And I like that she says, don't worry, as soon as I kill her, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I like that she puts a bandage over a hole that Mamo punctured her in her side and that she uses a pump to refill herself with air. Yeah, I mean, she can't, she can't blow herself up. I, that would be too weird. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but she, she's like, oh, I hate this. And she, it's funny because, like, the little tie is at the at the top, on the top of her head, and that's where she puts it. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. So anyways... <laughs> So I'm going to rate her. Um, I think she was she was fun and it was creative. So I'm going to give her a four out of five dark stars. I'm going to give her a four, too. This one got really close to five. Uh, it's a really uh, funny thing. Uh, I like her strong, colorful design. And I liked the fact that she has like a different form do you know what i mean like she she pops up initially and yes. you're like oh my god is it just a balloon lady yeah and later on she becomes like a you know a slimmer lady women first monster second <laughs> but but she can do both and then her she was attempting to return to her original form that's her most effective form <laughs> yeah. before she died something that they missed and maybe we'll have a balloon creature in the in the future but you know if you're going to be a balloon and you're associated with a circus or clowns it's balloon animal time. So like, what if she yes. could like, what if she could like take her arm and then like, and like balloon at twist her arm and make a, make something out of it that yes. would like make a rope out of it. Or right. I guess you can't cut somebody cause you're a balloon, but you know, just string somebody up or something like that. But you could do all sorts of just things. Just sitting on people is, was effective, but yeah. it was, um, not, uh, it wasn't taking full advantage of the thing. They got too deep into their concept 
of her being a big balloon lady and they didn't think about all of the other things they could do. That being said, though, I like everything else about her. I like her 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 lips uh, yes. and I like her bangs. She pulls off the bangs well. So, yeah, solid, solid four on that one. Yeah, I thought thought she was very entertaining. Uh, take a bow or our rating uh, the villains on how they left the stage of life. Puko looks shocked as she is frozen in place, still trying to refill herself up with air, and she yells, Stay out! So for me, I feel like while it's funny that she was filling herself up with air while this happened, so she's like interrupted doing something, I feel like this is basically the same exit we've seen for the last couple of lemurs. So I'm going to just kind of give it an average score of three out of five. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I am going to give her a two. All right. <clears throat> the reason being is that uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And <laughs> she's even got little props and she's got like a, you know, an aspect where she inflates or whatever. So she could have, we've seen this before. She could have done something else, said something else. Um, it just seems like the stage out is like the thing they've picked so that like, all right, and then we can draw the Yoma looking scared and then they're dead. And we're not getting the kind of things we got before where the makeup lady is trying to put her face back on before oh she God, gets uh, before she gets toasted by that was so Sailor good. Moon. So we're not getting those kind of things, but we are getting some variations. And yeah, again, this was just same pose, same picture, different voice actress. So it, yeah. it's south, south of average. It's a two for me. So now it's time for the rating. I love how Chibi cuts right to the chase and asks Saori about what her relationship is to Mamo, and she glares at Saori through the rest of the scene. And I like how determined Chibi is to make sure that her future parents stay together. Uh, I mean, her existence depends on it, after all. And I like that she starts chanting, Faito, Faito, Kobayashi. (laughs) That's great, too. Uh, Honestly, the star of the episode, if this was a PGSM episode and I had to pick a Moonlight Real Girl, it would be Chibiusa. Um, So... Even though she is shown to be really immature in this episode, I do like that Usagi's confidence in her relationship and Mamo's love has, I guess, matured, and that she trusts him more. Um, I feel like we haven't necessarily totally seen that every step of the way, but that's where we are right now. Uh, And I like how Sailor Moon throws herself in front of Mamo so she won't get suffocated by Puko. Uh, And this, okay, overall, this episode was okay. Uh, and I don't hate it, but um, I, there are a lot of parts of it that I also didn't really like. <sighs> I should have give, given last week's episode a one, and I'm giving this one a two because of Chibi. This was for you. <laughs> uh, that's essentially my reasoning for giving it a two as well. Uh, weird ep. Mm-hmm. Weird ep. And I guess if I just cut out the whole cop thing because uh, I don't know it's the 90s they don't I, we romanticize cops they're not thinking about the 90s, that they don't you care know? Yeah. so if I just ignore that it's still a weird episode it is and I think sometimes you get points off for trying something and not succeeding at something and I feel them trying something yeah. but I don't know what they're doing and so um, I'm sure that I didn't give a five to the episode with uh, Thomas Aburo Sailor Matcha, because Mm -hmm. they were trying to do something, but it was not clear what they were doing. And you actually were a little bit 
put put off by what they were trying to do. Well, I, I wasn't still think sure that how they were how to read it exactly, and so that's how I feel about this. I don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. to the point where I, I first of all I just don't think the jokes really work. I don't really know they don't land. They're not no, they don't land. But they're trying. They're definitely trying something. It isn't like we're just assuming that there's a joke where there's not. They're doing a thing, but I don't know what the thing is, and it, it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, but yeah. that being said, there are flashes of interesting maturity and growth in the characters. And I do like the fact that, uh, look, all right, if you're going to have keep Chibi keep saying that she wants to marry Mama or something, then let's explore that. And this episode does that. It's ugly what we find. Mm-hmm. We discover something bad. Yeah. But she's actually like thinking about like, well, not only do I like this guy, but let's be practical here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if he goes off with this other girl, I'm never gonna be born. I know. So come on, let's figure this out. Put yeah. those toys down. Let's figure this out. <laughs> so yeah, she was definitely the best part of the episode. Although I did like um, Usagi's moment of sort of personal triumph when she's yes. like, "I don't care about what you're talking about. I'm not worried about that. I got a yeah. hippo horse question here to answer." <laughs> but that is not very much to see uh, amongst the rest of this stuff. So I'm gonna give this one just a two. Yes. Two. Roses. Uh, my English title is Love Trusted Falters Never. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, and your lucky numbers are <laughs> 4, 7, 23, and 89. Exactly. No, that's good. Uh, uh, your Chinese word of the day is no. yeah, Right, yeah. Uh, tip. Uh, my, uh, my me title is uh, short, so we can just get out of here. It's Blah Enforcement. Oh, my God. Uh, Next episode, we are talking about episode number 133. Artemisu no Uwaki, Nazo no Koneko Tojo in Japanese. Artemis is cheating? Enter the Mysterious Kitten, the English translation, and the English title, Much Ado About Kitten. That's not, that's not a thing. (laughs) Okay, I was going to say one, but I'm saving it. So it's my title. Go for I'm it. I'm not giving it away now. No, don't. No, hold on. I'm way, you hold, hold on to it. I'm way too seasoned for that. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Here it comes. Here what comes. Ugh. Is this, is is trading the weird sort of like skeezy vibes of what we've been running into so far, is trading that for, well, we goofing around with the new little kitty character. Is that going to be worth it? You know what? If it washes our palate of what we've been going through, I'll take it. <laughs> I can never, you know, say no flatly to this show if I haven't, you know, experienced it. Famously, we can go back and, you know, hear the thundering of little feet as Chibi got closer. And then uh, I fell in love and she became one of my favorite characters. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on pause. Wow. I see my, what you did my there. judgy nature, but uh, and that's not the one. I'm saving it. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, we'll see. You were you were doing a double as entendre, it's not pa- right? Like pause, like P A U S E and you? like P A W S. So I made a joke. Then you, I got it, and then, then I was like, wait a joke. minute, he didn't react. But unlike. But, but like if you told the joke 
and you felt like there wasn't a big enough reaction, you'd go, you know, I made a joke, right? But instead, you're going, you know that I got your joke, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just want to check exactly that that's what's, what's going happening. on. Okay. I'm going, you know that I'm saying that you're saying that you got my joke. Yes. Right? Okay, yes. Right, right. Like so you have moved it. on, we and I'm it. like, wait a minute. I just want to make that's sure you know confusing. that I know. <laughs> but you know what is not confusing and is so clear? What? It's that we need your support. We do. On Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Sailor Noob, you can find our Patreon where you can sign up to be a senshi, to be on our squad and get access to a bunch of other podcasts that we do. Yeah. A network within a network. We've got podcasts about other anime shows. We've got podcasts about the live action Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon show. Great time to catch up because we have just basically entered the final chapter. We have. Of Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. We've got, you know, three or four episodes left. The big final episodes and that's it. So if you mm-hmm. want to be, uh, you know, uh, contemporary and on time with us, now's the time to sign up and uh, watch the show, obviously, listen to Absolutely. our recaps of it. And uh, also Sailor Cinema, we're uh, doing one of those actually real soon right here, uh, talking about Japanese movies or uh, movies with a connection to Japan and uh, anime characters. So you can get all that at patreon.com forward slash Sailor Noob. Sign up, become a senshi today. And if that's too rich for your blood, you can always stop by ko-fi.com forward slash just enough trope, the name of our parent network. On coffee, you can buy us a coffee. Mm. Go drop something in the tip jar just to say thank you, just to say like what you're doing. Uh, talk more about weird cats. <laughs> Keep up the good work. And their paws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go go easy on Chibi. Uh, she's uh, got it rough. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, whatever message you want to send us, you can at ko-fi.com forward slash just enough trope. Well, that's our show for this week. And the name of the moon will be punishing you next week with another episode of Sailor Noob. Oh, my God. <laughs>